Welcome to the Creative Finance Playbook, where we'll show you how to buy property without banks or credit using creative finance strategies. Join your hosts, Jen and Joe Delafave, as we embark on a thrilling journey to financial freedom through real estate. With our expert advice and insider tips, you'll learn how to build wealth and achieve your dreams. So tune in and get ready to take control of your financial future. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining today. Uh, here we are again on a beautiful Tuesday afternoon talking about real estate, which is probably one of my favorite things to do. Today, I bring with you my co-host, Abby, um, who works on our Gen Buys team. Abby does like all things for us. She is the most amazing Swiss army knife you'll ever meet. Um, she could do it all. Um, so today, we're going to be going over action strategies. Um, action strategies are so important when doing real estate investing because the more creative you can get with action strategies, the more deals that you're going to be able to make. And a lot of fake people think, well, it's more ways I could structure a creative finance deal, right? When I'm working with the seller, but it's also having a lot of action strategies that will make it easier to make more deals on the front end, if that makes sense. But I'm going to dive into how. I'm going to dive into some examples that we're working on currently. I'm going to work on some examples and share with you ones that we've already done recently in the past. And I'm talking recently, not years ago, not decades ago. This is stuff that we're actively doing now. And I'm going to share those two. Address is the whole nine. So I hope you guys are ready for some good stuff. And the reason why we do this is not because we're trying to sell you something. It's because then we could teach you how to buy and sell these houses, how we're able to do these things, and then maybe you actually turn into one of our clients and buy one of our properties, right? Or at least we're teaching you how to buy your own. And that's what's awesome about real estate investing because there's so many deals to be had out there. And I will say to touch on it really quickly, when my wife and I first got into this creative finance stuff in 2016 and 17 and 18, my fault mostly, I had more of a closed-minded theory, like don't share this with anybody because we have this secret recipe, right? And then I realized more of our think is more based on aligned with the abundance mindset. And once you realize there's so many deals to be had, guys, we teach people in our own backyard how to do this now because there's no way we can talk to every seller and there's no way we could buy every deal. So this is why we share what we do because it's able to really help people. And when I talk about a situation and deal that we just made yesterday. Um, so exit strategies. When we buy these properties, a lot of times we're buying these properties with creative finance. So what does that mean? A lot of times we're looking at a deal that we're able to buy with seller financing, which means it's a free and clear property. And we're able to make terms with the seller directly and pay that seller now like a bank. Then we have ways to do like a subject to where we're taking over their existing debt subject to the underlying debt really is what that is. So for an example, somebody owes $150,000 on their property and they want to sell it for what they owe. And we're going to take over making those behaviors on their behalf. That's what that is. So subject to is a really popular way of buying real estate. That's the deal that we just did yesterday um, in Niagara Falls, New York. 
So the exit strategies are key for us. And this is the, the niche that we're able to find to where we can make deals happen where realtors couldn't, other investors couldn't, because we have a unique way of buying it. We also have an, a unique way of how we're going to dispo that deal. What's our exit strategy? So I'm just going to start breaking down real examples. And these are going to be ones that we're working on right now. So the first one I'm going to go over is a deal that we have in our contract today. We will. It's in Niagara Falls, New York. Um, and actually, he just texted me, what time are you thinking today for the agreement? Because I said that we're going to send it to him in that early afternoon. So that's perfect. Um, seller just bought the house. He closed on it March 17th of this year. I'm sorry, June 17th of this year. So three months ago. Close on the house, beautiful house, beautiful neighborhood. He decides he wants to do a little bit of work to the property. He buys it for 127. I'm sorry, 227. He puts the minimum down. He still owes around 220 in the house. He starts taking off some of the paneling walls, realizes if he wants to dry out, drywall everything, what well, that's going to cost him runs into financial issues, never even moves into the house, already wants to sell it. He's owned it for three months, guys. So here he goes back to his realtor friend and says, okay, I want to list my house. I want to sell it. But when he came under contract in that house, when he was originally buying it, it was in May. But when it finally closed in June, the market has been shifting a little bit, as we all know. What he could sell it for right now, opposed to what he bought it for are two different things. Plus now the house needs a little bit of work because two of the bedrooms, it's down to the studs. He took down the walls. I mean, it's all down to the studs and just two bedrooms, all he did. The rest of the house still looks like exactly the same as when he bought it. So with that being the case, when you're going to pay a realtor commission of 6% on $230,000, when you are looking at, what is that going to cost you about $14,000 in commissions? You're going to pay some closing costs, which could be another two to $3,000 in that deal. So all said and done, if he does list it for two thirty dollars and sells it for two thirty, dollars he's going to net somewhere close to two fifteen dollars to two twelve, dollars and he owes about two twenty. dollars He'd have to write a check for about $8,000 to say goodbye to that house, which is $8,000 he does not have. So the realtor doesn't even think it'll sell for two thirty. dollars She thinks it'll sell for much less than that. So if he sells it for two twenty dollars or even less than that, his check will be even larger than he'll have to write. It's a losing situation for him. Really doesn't know what to do. Reaches out to us because of our marketing is awesome. And when he did, our acquisitionist looked at what was going on, booked a closing call. I get on a closing call with the gentleman and said, you know, we'll buy for what you owe. I'll pay you $1,000 over that to help cover any costs because he does have some material things like that he wants to get out of the house. I said, I'll give you a thousand bucks for all that stuff. You're free to go. I'll pay all your closing costs. He says, sounds great to me. He says, my realtor is gonna wanna get in touch with you to kind of look at what this looks like. So I explained to her what we're doing. And she says, well, to be honest with you guys, in the very beginning, when he told me what was going on, I was a little skeptical. I said, this might even be a scam. By the end of our call, when I thoroughly explained what it is that we do and who we are, she asked if she could work with us and because of how incredible she sounds, I would definitely consider that. And I look forward to talking to her more about that because she really understands now what it is that we do. So she says, what are you guys going to do with that house? How is that going to work for you guys? You're buying at the top of the market. How are you able to do that? 
So what I explained is our rent to own policy that we love to do with tenant buyers. This is one of my favorite extra strategies. So extra strategy number one today, guys, I love the lease purchase with tenant buyers. Now, a lot of times people say, I want to keep properties long-term and, and things like that. And we'll go over that in a minute. But the reason through my coach, through my mentor, Ron Legrand, taught us all about these, this lease purchase model is, A, you're actually helping people on another level because we are giving people the opportunity to turn from a renter into an owner, which is a pretty cool thing because I'm not just letting you rent a house. I'm giving you the chance to buy it, right? Which is a really, really neat thing because you're creating owners, which is awesome. Now, on the flip side, why does that work well for investors? The reason why it's my favorite exit strategy is because when we bring a house to market, we are going to offer it on a lease purchase. We collect a non-refundable option deposit from a tenant buyer. <clears throat> now, everybody always asks how much that is. And to be quite honest with you, with a lot of the deals that we do, when you're ready to get a mortgage, they're going to want the first year of property taxes up front. They're going to want your first year of insurance up front. They're going to want to pay your closing costs up front. And you're going to have to pay 3.5% down, 5% down, whatever the number is that you have with your lender. But once you start adding all of that up with the closing costs, the 35 to 5% down, which is the minimum, minimum, right? Once we put all that down, it's about 10%. So our, our lease purchase rent-to-own models, we usually get around 10% of the purchase price as a non-refundable option deposit. That will go towards the purchase when they're ready to pull the trigger. If they do not buy, they do not get that back. It is very well spelled out at the very beginning of our conversations. But as long as they pay us on time, they have nothing to worry about. Um, we've had several successful people go through this process and get to buy all the property. We've had several going through it right now, which people say, oh, I'm worried about losing one of my rentals. But if you get a check for 60, 70, $80,000, guys, it's really not that bad. And you can reinvest it into more properties, right? <clears throat> so with that being said, it's about 30% will buy. 70% usually fall out. So that's not me tracking our numbers. That's what the national numbers are for people who do a lease purchase. Now, I'd like to think we do a lot better job than that because of our screening process. I like to think that we do a better job of that because of the fact is we make sure we get a fair amount of money down up front in that down payment, that deposit, because then once they've fixed whatever it is to get you know, qualified, the money's already in place. A lot of times folks will collect way too little money down, just put that tenant buyer in the house. And then once they do get ready for a mortgage, they don't qualify guys if they don't have enough money down. Do you wanna know how many times I've seen people get ready for a mortgage and still owe, you know, they gotta come up with eight, $10,000 more of money they don't have. It's a tough situation. So we do a great job of that because we make sure we get a large non-refundable option deposit. I'm gonna share one with you right now. I'm gonna share my screen show some stuff that we're, we have been working on. So share screen. Hey, Abby, can you make sure that everybody can see this? Can you see the yeah. screen? Okay. Good. So guys, this is one of our houses we had, 141 Birchwood Avenue, it's in Rondequite. Okay, don't ever go by this estimate because it's way, way off. But this is a property that we just had listed as a rent to own. We have it sold for 189.9. That's a true market value. It's probably a little bit over that, but not much. This estimate is way too low. I could show you comps for five minutes would prove that. But either way, 
that's the case. We all know Zillow is not 100% accurate. But this was a property. I don't know if it's on here or not. When Jen and I bought it, you can see all the times we've had it listed for rent to own, all the different prices we've had it. Here it is. This is when we bought it. We bought that thing really 14 years ago for $47,000. I've had it rented. We've done rent to own. You can see where we've had it listed at the one price. We actually tried listing it in the market. And this is what turned us into this rent to own models because we tried to list it at one point. It didn't sell. We did more renting. This is where here when we did rent to own. This is where everything changed, right? So you could see where we started with our rent and now where it is right now. So we just put a tenant buyer in there. So the tenant buyer who just moved into this place just gave us $20,000 down. This is the third time we've done a rent to own on this house. Beautiful house, beautiful area. Does not have that dumpster in the driveway. This is an old picture. Um, but yeah, we've even put the yellow ugly sign in there because once we got this house back from the first tenant buyer, we tore out the kitchen and bathroom, put in new ones in there. Charged way more for the property. The second tenant buyers who just moved out not too long ago, got a job transfer. Called us up, said, hey, I'm moving out. You guys could have the house back. Thank you so much. You guys are awesome. I said, well, because you guys are awesome. If you turn over the house in good shape, I know you don't get any of your money back and you know that too, but I'll give you a thousand bucks if the house looks real good when you give it back to us. They said, deal. And we made that deal. Got a house back nice, didn't do a thing to it. Put somebody else in there, gave us $20,000. Increase in price, increase in rent because the market did change and uh, now everybody's in there cooking away. So that was a great deal for us. Great deal for our tenant buyer. Um, here's one, guys, we just bought recently on Credit Finance. You've probably seen this deal, if not, real quick. We bought this deal with no money down, did a 30-year term on a, on a rent-to-own with a tenant buyer. Favorite option strategy, guys. Why do I do that deal? Because when we bought this deal, the seller reached out to us. We bought it for $290,000. You see right there when we closed on it, just end of last year. The seller had this as an Airbnb. House is too big. It's a four bedroom, four bathroom. It's 2,600 square feet. But once you add in the finished attic, which is all up here with its own bathroom, you'll see the big attic. They had all the furniture here and this is a, a half bathroom right there. Once you add in that square footage, which I know you can't, then you add in the basement square footage, it's about 5,000 square feet. So they really got tired of doing all this, but it's a beautiful house, beautiful neighborhood kind of a swankier area. I mean, all the nice landscaping in the backyard. Um, it's a beautiful area. People ask, why would the seller want to do this deal? He wanted a quick, easy sale, guys. So when I look down here, he had it listed with a realtor. Didn't work out too well. Um, oh, I'm sorry, this is when we tried it because we actually put it on the market with a realtor and got some offers, but they weren't what we wanted. So I put it with a rent to own. We got 400000 for it. And this is the one we have uh, $30,000 as a down payment. So the handful of thousands of dollars it cost us to make this deal, I'm so glad we did not sell it here because sometimes I love to do that where we buy it on terms and sell it right away. And if it works, it doesn't. If not, we put in a tenant buyer. I had two options here and both of them worked out well. I'm way better off doing what we did. The folks who moved into this deal bought this for 400,000 from us. They gave us 32,000, I think it was down and they pay $3,000 a month in rent. And every single month they're in there, we cash flow about $1,200. So it's a great deal all around. So this is why I love the rent to own exit strategy. 
The other things too I love is we're not responsible for this landscaping. We're not responsible for the maintenance. I'm not responsible for repairs. I don't have to save extra for vacancies because I'm not planning on these people moving out because they just gave me $32,000. So once again, how I can make this deal work, I don't have management fees involved. A lot of you do because you're doing a lot of the other things. We don't. I don't have to worry about a leaky faucet taking that phone call. If there's a leaky faucet in this house, guys, they're calling a plumber. And that's just what happens here. So this is why I love these deals. So kind of what I just chatted about a second ago is one of my next favorite exit strategies that we've been implying quite a lot lately. And this is where we're buying a deal. And we're either buying it with Creative Finance, which is this one right here. 8401 Woodlands Trail. Now you can see guys, we closed on this one here and then July. We bought this property subject to, oh, they didn't put the price here because it's Louisiana. We bought it for 70 grand, right? We bought this sub two and this is the one where it hasn't even hit Zillow yet. I immediately listed it with a realtor who I already had this pre-plan with I only made two payments on this house, guys, of $500. And we sold it for $90,000. So what we're doing is finding some of these houses. Now, you can see the Zestimate here is 104. That's way too low. This property here, because it just doesn't show the bedrooms and bathrooms, the Zestimate is not even close. Its real value is probably 130 to 140 once it's all done. House needs probably ten dollars to $15,000 worth of work. Not much. Um, and I could probably even go closer to 10. It has a new roof, has a lot of stuff already done. Need some cosmetic stuff in the inside, but not a lot. But this is a situation where we're able to buy these deals and we're able to find them to where we're buying them with seller financing or subject to, or I'm taking over the underlying debt. And then I'm selling those in the market right away to a retail buyer. So some people call that subtailing or whatever cool trending name it is. I love them all. But really what that is, is I'm finding a deal where I call the realtor. And this is where I just talked to one of my students today. Is Mike on here? No, he's not. Um, good, I'm going to talk a little stuff. So I said, what you want to do, because he has to do like this he's working on right now, the word track. Everybody wants to know how does this conversation goes when you're looking for a realtor. So I, I let the, the realtor know that I have a house under contract. I found a realtor who recently sold one in that area, and I'm calling them. I said, I, found, I got a house under contract. I'm an investor. I'm buying it. I'm closing on it. X, Y, Z date. Now, a lot of times when I buy these deals, sometimes I rent them. Sometimes I do an Airbnb. Sometimes I do a fix and flip. Sometimes I just buy them as is, clean them out and put it on the market as is right away. And I list it with a realtor like yourself. So my question to you is, what's this property worth as, the, as, as is condition? Right? And then I'm going to take out the realtor commission. I'm going to take out some closing costs. I'm going to take out some holding expenses. And I need to see the numbers to see in between if I'm able to make my spread or not. Now, I will tell you, a lot of times in that situation in Louisiana, the realtor took a $1,500 flat commission. He had a buyer already ready to go. He says, yeah, my buyer will take that at $90,000 and I'll take a $1,500 commission to make it easier for you guys to make that deal happen. Instead of me trying to sell it for $100,000 and him taking a 6% commission where I would have netted close to the same, right? So for the quick, easy, done, we clear on that deal after paying closing costs and other things like that, about $17,000.
for owning a property for 30 days, guys. Now on that property, when you're doing a subtail deal, that property, I did nothing to. I did not a thing. I never been to it. I never sent anybody to it. We did zero to that deal. Nothing. Um, I did another one not too far long before that, where we actually just brought in a dumpster. I hired the guys to cut the grass and take all of the garbage out of the house, put it into the dumpster and get that dumpster out of there. And that was probably like $2,000 because the grass is a big lot. They had some stuff to pick up outside. House is full of stuff. The dumpster was like four or 500 bucks. So between all that, you spent a couple grand. House has just got all the stuff out of it. And that's what we did in that scenario. Sold that one, bought it for 103 on creative finance. We only made a couple of payments and we sold that for 140 on the market with a realtor. So once you pay back the commissions and all that, we made a little over $20,000 on that deal. And it was a beautiful deal. So are you coming across some of these deals where you might consider doing a fix and flip? Um, or are you coming across a deal where maybe it would be better to offer terms to a seller, but maybe the seller doesn't want to do long terms like a five or a 10 year, but maybe they want their money a lot sooner, but they're in a need where the house has got some work that needs to be done to it. This is one of my favorite strategies, guys. So when I'm looking at deals, I'm looking to do either a buy it with creative finance with my actual strategy being on a lease purchase first and foremost, because what I'm trying to do is build long-term wealth. And what do I mean by long-term wealth? A lot of our creative finance deals, as you can see on Nunda Boulevard, I wrote that up for a 30-year term. So rather my buyer buys this in one year or 10 years from now, doesn't matter. I'm going to be collecting that rent every month. And that's what I'm looking to do. And then when I do get them to buy that property. You can see from my spread guys, I'm making a nice paycheck. So it's not the end of the world if they buy. No reason to cry. You get a big old check, wipe away those tears. Um, but once again, I really love that strategy. Second one I really look at on every deal is a hotel where I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna sell it quickly, mostly as is. I'm not doing any work to that. Um, Everybody knows the standard fix and flip. And I'll be honest with you guys, if we're going to do a fix and flip, I'm only going to do the small ones. I'm not, we've done gut jobs before where we've done the two, three, four months, four or five months they turn into sometimes if supply trains, trains are low and contractors are slow and all the other things, right? So I really, if I'm going to do a fix and flip, I know a lot of people have to do, make their numbers work. I'm not touching one unless I'm making $50,000 on it. If I'm not going to make $50,000 or more on a fix and flip net, all said and done, I won't even do it. So I would rather wholesale that deal, find somebody who does a lot of fix and flips. That's what they specialize in and let them do that. Now, the fix and flips I want to do are going to be the ones where I could just do a kitchen, something crazy, nothing too crazy, maybe some paint, some flooring, a bathroom, paint, flooring, that kind of stuff. Um, I try to stay under that $30,000 number or less is my goal. And if I have to go much more than that, I'd rather wholesale it and let somebody else do that. Cause those big jobs really do take up a lot of time. Um, and then I think about what can I do else with that time? Right? So we have our fix and flips, which are pretty standard. However, I've got one right now we're doing in St. Pete, Florida. I have it under contract house needs full work. I'm going to buy it with cash and I'm going to sell it on the market as is, as a handyman special with a realtor. I'm not going to do the fix and flip on it. I'm going to bring it to the biggest buyer's list of all, which is the MLS. 
So this is why I love to be able to do those type of deals is just for that fact is I could get that deal, pay cash for it. Now I'm doing that instead of an IRA. So I'm not even having to pay the income tax on it. So I love doing self-directed IRA deals. And if you guys don't know, check out Quest IRA. Um, I'm not affiliated with them as far as like getting links. So there's no Joe link, nothing like that. But they do walk you through all the processes. If you have a retirement program and you want to roll money into an IRA and buy real estate inside of that IRA and not have to pay tax on it, there's certain ways you do, certain ways you don't. So make sure you get the education on it. But they are fantastic. I can't say enough good stuff about them. Um, Cindy says, my self-direct IRA is through Quest Trust. Yeah, they are awesome and they really do a great job. So check them out. They're out of Houston, Texas. Great, great bunch. They have a lot of uh, free YouTube content. And if you talk to any of their IRA specialists, Cindy could, I'm sure, agree with me that they're a class act and very, very great. So um, everybody there is awesome. Yep, see, she agrees. So in that deal, we have that under contract. I, I spoke to a realtor, same situation. And uh, she believes we could bring that to market. I have it under contract for two, or no, I'm sorry, 170. I think we could bring it to market as is in the twos somewhere, probably the mid twos. She thinks higher. She's the realtor expert, not me, but I think it's a little high um, considering the condition of the property. The retail ARV on it's probably about 380 though. It's a 1200 square foot ranch, brick um, block ranch in St. Pete. So once again, um, those are my favorite deals. I'm not going to do a fix and flip on that. I'm buying the house. I'm going to bring a dumpster there the day we close. I'm going to have the guys take out all the chairs, tables, whatever that the, they're going to leave behind, clean it out, donate some of it. If there's anything that could be donated. Um, other than that, if anything's garbage, toss it out. The realtor will be there in the next day or two. Take all the photos, get it on the MLS, get it on the biggest buyer's list there all there is. Pay her gladly that 6% commission to get this on there and get this thing sold. So um, are you doing a cost seg on your rent to own properties? So no, I don't, to be honest with you. Um, my next favorite exit strategy depends on the state you live in. That's where I want to say you got to be careful this last one. And there's many, many more. I There's Airbnb, there's short-term rentals, mid-term rentals to like traveling nurses. There's a lot of those things. And guys, there's much, much, much better people to talk to on those spaces. I don't do those. Um, though the strategies that I really, really work well in, these are I'm going to talk about. The other ones I don't, we have Serena on our team. She is our Airbnb specialist. When it comes to anything with Airbnb, I always refer to her. She's fantastic as far as that goes. The one thing, though, is selling your property with seller financing. And this is a way that you can make very, very good money. So for an example, we have some of our deals, like we have one in New York right now, which is a place I would not do this in. So this is why I'm really big on the lease purchase is because when I'm looking at getting rid of a property, I'm going to look at either selling it with creative finance, a lease purchase. I'm also going to look at seller financing. The one thing I'm a big time against seller financing is if you are in a state where if the seller or the buyer stops paying you, how long does it take to get your property back? Right? What's the eviction versus foreclosure timeframe of the two? 
depends on your state. They're all different. So you need to check your local laws to make sure you're doing this the right way. I will tell you, New York State, where we started off doing this, it is tough as can be to evict somebody. Months and months and months and months and months to evict somebody. If you want to foreclose on them, forget it's even worse, right? There's a lot of other states, California, handful of them are still the same way, if not more than a handful. Then you run into places like Texas, where if you can't sell it on a lease purchase there, for up to six months, you can. But if on a lease purchase, I'm sorry, on a seller finance deal, the foreclosure is about 45 days in Texas. So if, if I stop getting payment on a house that I sell with seller financing in the state of Texas, and my buyer stops paying me and I have to foreclose on them, 45 days, maybe 60 days, I'm getting the house back, guys. So this is why, once again, you have to find the right action strategy based on what you like to do, but it's also based on where you live, right? So if you're going to invest in New York, I have so many investors like, I'll never buy real estate in New York State. Well, upstate New York, guys, I could buy houses for 100 grand. I could rent them for 1500 bucks a month, have a $700 underlined payment because I'm buying it on a sub two. I can make five, six, $700 on those deals. The only problem is dealing with tenants in New York. So if you have an extra strategy that they just gave you, $10,000, $30,000 to move in, I'm going to be doing much better than a tenant or a landlord who's only going to collect that security deposit, which is only one month's equal rent. You can't even in New York State collect first, last, and security deposit. So it's just your security deposit, first month's rent in New York State. So your tenant doesn't have much skin in the game. So once again, that's what makes it risky, where I can go into that same area, collect a $20,000, $30,000 non-refundable option deposit, and our clients are different because we're dealing with folks who plan on owning the house one day versus somebody who just plans on renting it and they plan on moving out whenever. A tenant will not treat the place the same as a tenant buyer, I promise you. So our clients are a little different. We do have a big, what I call the insurance policy. They're skin in the game, and the more they have, the better. So in New York, I love doing this actual strategy. But now what happens when we buy a property in Texas? So I buy a property in Texas at one price for an interest rate already predetermined. A lot of our deals with seller financing and free and clear properties are at 0%. So if I have a 0% deal, I can sell a property. And we are working on one in Georgia, which I still don't know. It's been taking forever. These folks are waiting for something to move out. This deal's been in the works for months and months and months. And I know our TC, Chelsea, she's not on here, but I know she does a great job following up with these two ladies, but the lady wants to sell us her house. She's ready to go. And uh, I don't know what she's waiting on the last bit, but she wants to sell us this house in Georgia for, I think it's like $36,000. 0% mortgage for 13 years at a $200 payment. And this is the same property where if I were to sell it as is, for even $79,000. And I charge a 7% interest rate where I'm not gonna be going absolutely insane with the price, right? Where I don't have to be nine, 10, 12%. Because my goal folks is to turn this to a long-term thing. I don't need to have a high interest rate to where somebody's gonna to wanna to cash me out right away. But my difference is this, if I have a $200, 0% mortgage and I charge 80,000 for the house at 30 years at 7%, my payment's 525. I'm not even a landlord. I don't even own the property. I'm just a bank. 
But the one thing I love about this is that the total principal plus interest is $190,000. So what does it cost me to buy this deal? Guys, it's going to cost me a few thousand dollars in closing costs. The minute I buy this property for $36,000, whatever the price was, $35,000 from Anita, um, once I close on that, it's only going to cost a few thousand out of pocket. I start making that payment. Once I find the right buyer, my total interest paid is $110,000 on top of the markup I've made on the house. So my markup isn't really that big on the house. If I buy from 36 and sell it for 79, great money. Don't get me wrong. But when you make another 110,000 off the finance charges, that's where your money will come in over 30 years. So guys, I'm 44, I'll be 45 next month. I can still be getting paid on that deal till I'm in my 70s. Now, if I charge them a 9, 10, 12% interest rate, that interest rate gets to be so high, they'll probably want to refinance out of it. Maybe if they do. If I'm charging them a good interest rate, a 7, 8% interest rate where it's not out of line, my goal is to keep them in there for 30 years, right? And just be a bank. The reason why I love Georgia, the reason why I love some of these states, the reason why I want to do seller financing in some of these states is because of the foreclosure laws, guys. If my buyer stops paying me, I could get that house back pretty quick. So if you're going to look into that option, which I love, check to make sure you're doing the right state. What I, my best advice to you is to find out what the foreclosure laws are, what the eviction laws in the states that you plan on doing business with, the counties, the areas, all of those things. So if you do get a deal under contract, what am I going to do with it? Watch this video. I'm going to give you five or six good things you could do with it. Now, also too, if it's in a special area, thank you, Joe. Jay, I was, uh, Crohn's got me bad last week, but I'm feeling great now. Um, Airbnb. I know a lot of people who are doing really, really well with Airbnb. I mean, the neat thing about Airbnb, if you do it right, you don't need a lot of them. I mean, five, 10 properties could get you out of your full-time job and to make more money than you're currently doing by owning a handful of these things if they're done properly. My favorite thing is never going to a bank to have to buy them. So if I want to find these properties, I'm going to buy them with creative finance. I love the fact that we can go to banks and buy all the real estate we want, or we don't have to go to banks, but we could buy all the real estate we want. Most of our deals, and Abby can attest them, a lot of them, some of them, they do need down payments. A lot of them we buy are with no money down besides just covering some closing costs, maybe a grand or two to help them move. But usually a lot of them are very little money down. Talking with my students, they wrote an amazing deal in Pennsylvania right outside Reading today um, where when we had the conversation, he was like, you know, I think to assign this deal, I was like, why would you want to do that? The seller is selling you a house for around 160000 for what they owe. You're going to give them $2,500 down. I think the comps on it are in the mid twos. Doesn't really need much work. The house was built in 1989. It's a 1500 square foot three, two. The payment's low. You could definitely charge a lot more. And buying it sub two, the interest rate was really, really low. And I was like, well, how long of a term did the seller give you? He's like, because I'm buying it sub two, they're giving me the rest of their mortgage. I'm like, that's a, that's a keeper. You keep that deal in-house, Extra strategy is you put in a tenant buyer, somebody's going to give you $10,000, $20,000 to move in that beautiful house, paint it the way they want for their family and the kids or whatever. And then at that point, if they get a mortgage in two, three, four, or five years, great. If they need longer, fine. You've got a really great term on this deal. Beautiful house, beautiful neighborhood. Love that extra strategy. So when we looked at 
what you'll hear me talk about all the time, guys, is the cost of entry. Cost of entry on that deal is $4,500 in closing costs, $2,500 down to the seller, $7,000. $750 insurance policy, $7,500. $7,700, right? We set aside three months of payments to build into what our cost of entry is. We're up to probably $10,000, a little over that now, $11,000. So if he's got $11,000 and we're collecting 10% of that purchase price is the non-refundable option deposit. Remember, we're not doing any work to the house. The price that we determined would be the price of listed at would be $299. But if somebody wants to buy it and update the paint and some of the flooring themselves, drop that price at $279. It's a rent-to-own, handyman special, light cosmetic updates only needed. Do the work yourself, save thousands. That's exactly what my ad is going to say. He has it under contract, guys, for 160. You're going to rent to own that thing. And there's legit comps selling at 300 grand and more in that area. So 279 is the purchase price. I'd rent that for probably in the low twos. The underlying payment's 1600 bucks. When you have no management, no nothing like that included, you're going to cash flow probably four to $500 a month. On that selling price at 275, I'm expecting at least a minimum of 15 grand to even walk in the door, but you're probably going to get 20 grand down. Now, if it only cost me 11 to get into that deal, guys, and you collect 20 grand down, you're up $9,000. You've got no credit. You didn't go to a bank. And you've got $9,000 you're up after you paid yourself back your 11,000. And now every single month for the next X amount of years, you're going to cash flow four to $500 a month. Your tenant buyer who say they give you that $10,000, $20,000 down at the 279 price, they'll owe you 259. Guys, you bought it at 160. If your tenant buyer buys you out in the next six years or five years, you've paid down your amount of that 160 balance because you're making those payments. So maybe now in five years, you owe 150. They sell you that price. Once they get you refinanced, guys, you can see the check that you've made on that deal. You're talking a six-figure check on the back end. Now, how can I get into a deal with $11,000, no banks, no credit needed, and at $11,000, I got that back in three to four months. And now I'm just cash flow positive from here on out. My cash return is infinite. These are those deals that we're making. So these are these ways for you to analyze a deal of what's the best exit strategy. So I will say some of you might have a couple rentals right now. Could be a single family home that you'd want to consider doing this with. I've had this happen to ours. The summer of 2017, guys, you'll hear me refer to it, was the craziest summer on earth for me and my wife. We had five or six different single family homes that once we figured this strategy out, we told all of our renters, once your lease is up, we're going to sell them. We're going to sell them with rent to own. You will get first choice if you want, but if not, if it doesn't work for you, time to go. We gave them plenty of notice. Everybody did move out. That summer, we flipped them all into tenant buyers. Our lowest we received that summer was $8,000. Our highest was $30,000. Non-refundable option deposits. Guys, we did basically fundraising for $100,000 that summer in just cash we raised. Now, that's your cash, guys. That's your cash to reinvest back into marketing, your business, buy other properties, whatever you want. You will get tax on it from your accountant. Believe me. So reinvest it, right? But these are some of these things that I want to make sure that you guys understand that if you have that single family home, you don't have to do on all of them, but maybe test pilot on one of them. 
this is one of our best ways is that lease strategy. Um, on your lease purchase, do you have a time limit on your contract? Do you sell it at a predetermined price or do you put it as market price if they make 10 years? So that's a great question. Two great questions. Yes and yes. So to answer them both, what I do is we're going to give you a, say, two-year term at this price. Now, I know that we're not going to go by today's price. So if I'm going to guesstimate today's price is 150, that area appreciates, say, 3 to 5% every year historically, takes two years. I'm going to price that house at probably 179 for two years, right? Because today's price, if they close on it today, today's value is around 150. In two years, I'm going to guesstimate that house is a 179 price, 1795 price. Guys, you could always go down. You cannot go back up. Make sure you don't price it and do some of the things that I did was not price it high enough. There are plenty of times where I kicked myself in the butt, not going to lie. Um, but I try to make sure I price it accordingly. And then what I do say is one year, two years is up. If you don't give me cashed out, don't panic, don't freak out, no worries. I'm never going to throw you out of the property. However, we're going to have to revisit the figures and adjust them accordingly. No matter what, I'll still make sure that you always get a great deal and you get the first right if you want to continue or if it doesn't work for you and you want to vacate, that's fine too. Obviously, I'd love for you guys to stay. So I have a handful of them right now who didn't get refinanced for the first two years like they said they would, which is fine. They're great people, great tenants. So now we just readjusted the figures. In the last two years, guys, the market changed, right? So we need to figure this stuff out. Taxes have gone up. Insurance has gone up. Values of properties have gone up. Properties have been reassessed. So then we obviously readjust things accordingly. Now, what happens, Joe, when the market goes backwards like it is? Like what it might happen, right? Well, guys, that's the neat thing about it. Like they have more time. They have more time to make those values come back, number one. Number two, if you collect a large enough non-refundable option down payment deposit, that's not gonna be an issue, okay? When you, when you get the very bare minimum, the very least amount, yeah, then any little variable can change things, right? A small little setback can change that a a big difference. So the next thing I like to do with our, tenant buyers is anything they pay above rent gets added to their non-refundable option deposit. So it's like a savings account. So if somebody gives us $20,000 and they pay $100 over their rent per month, that's another $1,200 per month. doesn't sound like a lot. Two years, $2,400. Now they have $2,000 or $20,000, $22,400, right? And that number continues to grow. Now, to be honest with you, I do have some that don't pay any, but I have a lot that pay two to 300 over every month. I have some that pay 800 to 1,000 over their rent every month. I have a condo in Brockport, New York, guys. The rent with the HOA is $1,200 a month. We cash flow 500 on that. These people pay $2,000 every month because they want that $800 on top of the rent to get added to their down payment. They've been doing that for years. I guarantee you guys, I'm the only landlord in that area getting $2,000 a month for rent for those condos. And there's a lot of rentals in there because I know all the other landlords are getting around $1,100, $1,300. Our rent is $1,200, but we're getting $2,000 a month. Yes, that's going to go towards the when they buy. Yes, I am being taxed on that income. So that is my money to spend right away. 
and we invest that into whatever, guys. So once again, this is another reason why I love this rent-to-own model, the lease-purchase model, is because anything they do pay above their market rent does get added to their non-refundable option deposit. So where most people could only cash flow X amount because I don't worry about vacancies, because I don't have to worry about management, and because with our down payment assistance program, anything they pay above that gets added to their down payment, I'm able to cash flow. In a lot of these situations where they wouldn't work for most of you or a lot of other investors, we can do those deals and be very profitable. Not only making the deals, but be very profitable in areas where it doesn't work for anybody else. Uh, Cindy says, oh, no kidding. Your husband went to Brockport. Um, yes, it is a cool town. We have a bunch of them. Uh, properties in there. A bunch we bought on creative finance, even right in the village, college town, guys, we, we found a lot that we bought in our IRA. Same thing. We were going through one of our properties. We bought on creative finance, saw a vacant lot, terrible little for sale by owner sign right in the village. We call, they don't answer. We call them for months. They don't answer. We finally get a hold of them. They sell us the lot for $8,000. We buy it in our IRA. We list it immediately for $30,000. And I think we sold that one for $26,500 on the market. Did nothing to it. So once again, IRA deal, still being creative. Cool little town to invest in. But you got to know your areas, right? So Brockport is awesome. That's why I love it. So dialing back to just kind of wrapping this up real quick. What do we look for for our favorite extra strategies in the house when I'm looking at a deal? If this is a deal, guys, where this is a great Airbnb property, and it's just something that I don't want to have to have a full-time job managing it myself, either I'm going to assign that deal to another investor, and this is my last extra strategy that we really employ a lot. Because guys, you got to remember, last deal we last month we found nine deals. We cannot close on all nine of those ourselves every month because we're finding around that same amount every month. I can't close on all of them ourselves. We have a lot of these deals. Some of these deals that we find are in areas that we love because I have some of those checked off, but this is a big state, a big country. We find a lot of these deals that are still great deals, but they're just not in areas that we typically buy. But some of you do, or if there's a lot of other people who do. So one of our other action strategies is that when we find a creative finance deal or even a cash deal, we assign those to other investors. Now we assign a lot of our cash deals and we assign a lot of our creative deals, but we also take a lot down too. But however, if I find a great creative deal and I've got my buddy Jay in the room and Jay does creative finance stuff and I say, hey, Jay, I've got a deal up in your neck of the woods somewhere I know it's close to you and I don't normally buy up there. I've got a really good deal. Here's the property. Here's the terms. Somebody like Jay might be interested in that deal. It might pay us a finder's fee for that deal. And I'll be quite honest with you, Jay, but everybody else, just picking him because I know him. He's awesome. But the thing is, what's nice about that is where for us, we we really try to be grateful for Grady. None of our assignment fees are gigantic home runs. We want our buyers to make a ton of money on those deals. So when we call you and say, we have another one available, go check it out. So these are some of the ways that where I tell my students, I tell my own team, when we're doing deals, if we come across a great deal, it's just not an area that we're looking for. Let's find out if there is a, an investor buddy of ours or investors who would want that deal and see if it's a good fit for them. Because every one of the deals, guys, that we're getting under contract, I would personally take down ourselves. That's why I do them. That's why we write them up. Um, 
And this is why we choose a lot of times if I'm going to keep them in house or if I'm going to just uh, wholesale them out. So when you have your lease purchase, when I could do a fix and flip, when I could do a hotel, where I'm just buying a subject to and selling it right away, right? Where I could do some IRA investing, where I could do stuff inside a retirement plan. I do a lot of those. Those are some of my favorite deals. I have your Airbnb. I have some friends who do a lot of midterm leases to traveling nurses, right? They do really, really well because they pay. It's gotta be furnished. Um, but once again, same thing goes with wholesaling guys. So we're not a wholesaler. I'm a real estate investor. I look at every single deal, but we don't primarily just wholesale, but it is a great exit strategy. So Trace or Julie, I know you're out on the West coast. Um, Luz, we have a bunch of my friends in this room, but this is why I like for this, why I love this network and teaching all of you guys. If you're finding these deals, like I see Jay right now, they're looking at anything in South Carolina. So obviously we have him in our radar already. When we have a deal in South Carolina, we know who to call. Now, even if I get one in North Carolina, I might still call and say, hey, I know it's the next, I know it's Carolina. Might not be South, it's North, but here's a great deal. Take a look at it anyways, right? Maybe we can entice Jay to buy somewhere else too. Or maybe in the meantime, he knows somebody who lives there and does it. But a great deal is a great deal. And, and this is what it's all about. So action strategies, the more of these you have on your belt, the more of these deals you're gonna be able to dispo. Because a lot of the times I'm looking at deals in the cash flow might be too tight if I have to put in expenses like management, expenses like vacancies, expenses like repairs. Sometimes people pay for water and things like, like we pay none of that with our lease purchases, zero. So our spread is our spread to keep. Once again, because I could add on top of that too with the down payment assistance program, I'm able to build in a much bigger spread than most can. So this is why I think the average for most people is about two to $300 a door. We are double that per door. So once again, I've talked to property managers before who say, you know, they've had 70, 80% non-paying, which is a lot. If you're going to have that happen to you guys, I'd rather have 20, $30,000 down from folks to make sure if they're not going to pay, I have some resources to take care of everything. Um, so I'm going to get to some questions. I'm going to wrap this up three o'clock almost. Holy cow, Abby. Um, if you had a higher end property, say 500K, um, would you want 10% down for that? Maybe it's me, but I would think someone coming up with 50K down is not as easy as say a $300,000 house. Am I wrong? Thoughts. So I will tell you, Trace, you would be shocked what people could come up with. Um, my favorite properties to do this on, however, are generally not high-end properties. My favorite properties to do this, and I will do it on every single property. Don't get, not get me wrong, but the deal has to make sense. The, the deals that I like to do this on the most are your average price range houses in your area. So the median. So back in upstate New York, I would say the median for my city where I live was about 150,000 between the suburbs and that range, right? In the county, the metro area of Monroe County, it's probably around that $150,000 range. So yes, I've done a house for $400,000 before, but like what you said, it's, it, it takes a little bit more time to find that special buyer who might have that $50,000 down. But now if I'm in Tampa where I live now, you're not getting anything for 500 grand 
right? It's you can, but it's really tricky. And my area here in Tampa, I'll get people $50,000 all day long because they're accustomed to paying that here because that's the average here, right? So I guess it really depends on where you live, but I will tell you, but I always have this term called my popcorn houses. Popcorn are those basic, you know, the, that $150,000 home that I, I got it under contract for 110 on a sub two, I'm marking up to 150. I took down the payment of 800. I'm charging 1500. I got 20 grand down, not a huge $500 million property. But once again, I got a great spread in there. I got great cash flow in there. It didn't cost me a lot. The one thing I love about the median price ranges, opposed to the higher end stuff, higher end stuff, those tend to go backwards. If the market pulls back, those generally go first. But if I'm living with mom and dad, and I'm getting married to my wife, Jen, and we're going to go buy our first house together, it almost really doesn't depend on like what the market's doing, good or bad, because we probably don't have a huge savings or retirement anyways, right? We're a young couple, but getting that first house, that's that 1,500 square foot house, 1,800 square foot house, 1,000 square foot house, depending on where you live, but that's what they're looking for. So whatever your area is for your median, stay in that range or sometimes even a little bit less. Um, you get into the higher end stuff and the more higher end you go, the smaller your buying pool gets. So make sure if you do, I just build them more time. So what does that mean? If I'm going to take it down myself and I'm going to put find a tenant buyer or if it's property I already own, I know it's going to take me a little bit longer. So if I'm going to make a deal with a seller, I might let them know before I go to closing it might take me a little bit longer. Or if I'm going to assign that to somebody else, maybe they want to turn that high-end property into an Airbnb. Um, I know it might take me a little bit longer for people to come up with $50,000 or whatever my extra strategy could be. So I just know on higher-end stuff or places that are very remote and very rural, I know I need to build myself in some time because it's going to take me a little bit more to find the right buyer, if that makes sense. Even if it's a wholesale cash deal, or the best creative finance deal in America, if it's in the middle of nowhere, who's buying in that area? There's probably somebody, but you got to really do a little bit more research and it takes a little bit more time. So um, bread and butter stuff is what I'd like the most. However, do not underestimate people who don't qualify for a mortgage, who have $50,000 down, because I know a ton of people who don't. I know when you're self-employed, getting a mortgage for some folks is difficult. I know a lot of self-employed people who could stroke a check for $50,000 in two seconds, but will have a hard time qualifying for a mortgage because they're self-employed. Maybe I own a trucking company or I own this or that. Self-employed people are really hard to get mortgages for, but they have you know, a lot of businesses where they could have cash and have money to where they can make that work. So don't second guess yourself, but for the more common stuff, I love that middle of the road type work. Um, when making payments to sellers, do they usually ask for market rate payments? If so, what do you say? So what I do is I have to make sure when I'm making payments to sellers, great question, Avery. Um, I have to make sure that I'm able to make some spread on the rent, right? And I tell sellers this all of the time. The price that you're asking is important, but it's not everything. Because what's most important to me is that I have a low enough payment that I could pay you, I could pay the taxes, I could pay the insurance, and then also have some spread because I'm gonna be able to rent it. 
Now I had a one situation where I was talking with a landlord and they were like, no, I'd have to get full payment because I'm getting that right now from my tenants. I said, well, then that's fine. Do you want to continue to be a landlord? That's what you're going to collect. If you want to sell the house to me and I'm going to be the landlord, I need to get a much lower payment because I'm going to be the one responsible for the taxes, the maintenance, the repairs, the utilities, the upkeep, any type of the midnight phone calls, management vacancies. That's on me now because I'm the owner, I'm the buyer. So I need to make that spread to be able to account for all of that. So if you want that high, high payment, that comes with being a landlord. So do you, my question to you, Mrs. or Mr. Seller, do you still want to continue to be a landlord dealing with all the toilets and tenants? Or do you want to sell the house to me, have it be done? You still get a good payment every month. Maybe not the same, but you don't have any of the responsibilities. Zip it. Well, no, I don't want to be a landlord. That's why I'm talking to you. Okay, well, here we go, right? And then we renegotiate that. Um, do you ever work with pre-foreclosures? Yes. Pre-foreclosures, I've got one right now we're working on. I've worked on delinquency with taxes. We call the bank, find out what they owe, find out what it's going to cost to get them current. You know, I've had some people who haven't paid their payments in a year, year and a half. So if you haven't made your payments in a year, it's going to pre-foreclosure. What's your monthly payment? Right. If you have a two thousand dollar payment, I got to come up with twenty four grand to get you current. If you have a six hundred dollar payment, well, that's not as bad, right? Seventy five hundred bucks, I'm into a deal. But that's one thing you want to look at. So what happens is, Trace, when we do run into situations and somebody's in a pre foreclosure, we call them, find out how far they are behind. I get a mortgage payoff, which is a payoff letter from the bank, and it's going to show me what they owe. It's going to show me how far they are behind. So I'm not going to take their word for it. I'm going to find out what it is I have to come up with in order to get them current. So what I do to the seller situation, say, okay, well, if I were to pay all the back payments and get you current and cover all the closing costs, would you sell it for usually what you owe, unless they have a lot of equity. Then if they do, I tell them, well, you're, you'll, I'll buy it now. I'll cover all the closing costs. I'll get you current. Not only that, like get you current, it's going to help get your credit back to better because you got to remember guys, if their mortgage, if they haven't made it, their payment all the time, their credit went to crap. I'm a credit expert. I've pulled tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people's credit report, my old job. I know how credit works just about as good as anybody else. So credit, if you haven't made your mortgage payment in a while, your credit's taken a crap. If I buy your house from you, sub two, and I pay that $8,000 and got you current, you have a past due loan that's been delinquent for over 90 days, they have three sections on your credit report, guys. They have 30 days late, 60 days late, and 90 days late. This is how they could tell in your credit report. So anything over 90 days late, that's like the worst of the worst. And I'll tell you it's currently beyond 90 days late. All right, on your credit report, I'll see the last time you made a payment. It tells me everything. It's like going to the doctor. You, Whether you want them to know it all, they'll see it all. So either way, with that being the case, if I pay that $7,500, I cover the three, $4,000 in closing costs. I got 10, 12 grand out of pocket. I'm going to put a tenant buyer in there, my lease purchase. So I'm going to get that money back. But now when I start making their payment on time, part of also the benefit of sub two on the seller's behalf, especially in a pre-foreclosure, is I'm going to get your loan current and I'm going to make those payments on time. And ongoing payments on an account like a mortgage paying on time is going to help your credit go skyrocket. So these are the benefits. And I, to be all honest with you guys, I have a handful of text messages from, ten, from people we bought their house on a sub two who are previously late. We got them current. We've been making those payments on time for years. And I've had text messages saying, my credit score is a 785 now, and it used to be not even a 600. 
And it's because we're making those payments on time. And we just set them up on auto payment, but it really helps people too. So what are the benefits of selling for the seller on sub two? That's one of them, especially if they're delinquent, especially if they're now having credit challenges with that mortgage and it's late and you're able to make that on time and you're going to help their credit pay more than anybody else. In some situations, like my Niagara Falls, when I talked to in the beginning of this, where I could buy that deal where nobody else can, I'm helping that seller. I'm putting money in his pocket where he would have lost money. And then all around, it's such a great situation that his realtor turned into a friend now, and now she wants to work for us. Um, okay. Do you have pre-foreclosures? Do you find the bank will give you that info? I know sellers aren't the most reliable. So what we do is we have, to answer your question, if you're asking for the mortgage payoff, we just have the seller call their lender and request a mortgage payoff statement. That lender will usually email it to them in a couple of days and they'll have it and they just forward it right to us. Or what I do is I will tell the seller, I'm going to call your bank. I'm going to get on the phone with them. And then once I have them on the phone, I'm going to patch you through. So you don't have to be on hold for 20 minutes. I'll finally track them down. And when I do, they're going to say, Joe, I can't talk to you because you're not Sam or whatever the seller's name is. Great. Sam's waiting to hop on this call. Let me patch him through right now. I get Sam on the phone. Sam gives the lender authorization after saying who he is and authorizing who he is. He will give that lender the authorization to talk to me. It's usually just for that day. And I'll call the lender and I'll have the conversations with him and just say, Sam, and I'm not saying I'm buying the house subject to, so I need all the info. I don't say that. Sam wants me again on the phone to kind of help him sort out what's going on with his account. How do you know Sam? He's a friend of mine. And that's why he's asked me to help with this, right? And this is why we're, we're connected is because obviously he wants to help, have me help him make heads or toes of this situation. How far is he behind? How much does he owe to get you current? If he gets you current in the next amount of days, where do we send that payment to? Then after that, what's the payment? And then they work you through everything else. Okay, great. Can you send that mortgage statement to Sam, that payoff? And they will. And then I have the information. I go back to Sam and I explain to him what's going on. Um, I do not ever tell the bank I'm doing sub two, ever, ever, ever. They'll never hear those words out of my mouth. We don't ever talk about it. I don't talk about me even buying the house from Sam. So all I'm trying to do is figure out how late is Sam on this mortgage payment? Once they tell me Sam $7,296.57 away from being current, now I'm going to say, Sam, you're 700 or 7,000, whatever that number was. If I cover closing costs and pay all that stuff to get you current and give you $2,000 for the U-Haul truck and some gas money to move out, Sam, does that work for you? And if it does, I'm writing that deal up long as I've done all my other research and all the other stuff makes sense, right? Um, thank you. So these are how we address these deals. And to be quite honest with you, it doesn't work for everybody, but in a lot of these situations, it does. So once again, if you guys didn't check out our YouTube, I just put it up there, uh, our agenda two days ago, conversation with me having with another realtor on a situation, breaking down how we can make these deals work for them. So I've been talking to a lot of realtors. Our team is actually coming up with kind of like a script to say, which I will definitely gladly share it with you guys. But what we're doing is I'm reaching out to all of my realtor friends. I'm have our whole team do the same thing. And just simple fact is, if you had somebody who bought a house recently, who probably overpaid for the house, who needs to sell it, and now can't afford to sell it because they owe too much on the property. 
if you find one of these situations coming across your desk and you have a seller that's going to have to write a check for thousands of dollars to get rid of a house they no longer need or want, before they do that, before you list it, let me know because sometimes I get paid way more than everybody else, right? Because that sounds like a good sub two deal to me. Somebody who cannot afford to sell their house because they just bought it. By the time they pay the realtor commission and the closing costs, and just to let you know, national average is about 10, 11%, guys. So 10, 11% of that selling price is what that seller will have to write a check for. So just remember that if it's a $300,000 house, chances are it's about $30,000. If they owe 290 because they just bought it and you know they're going to net 270, just throwing a rough number at it. And these people are going to have to write a check for $20,000. And probably if they just bought the house, they might've just came up with a down payment a little bit, but between closing costs and all that, they might've just spent their money. They might not be able to afford to spend another 20, 30, $40,000 to say goodbye to a house, right? So this is where in a lot of these situations where if you can help these realtors understand what it is, how we could help them, how we could help the seller in these situations, this is what's a win-win for everybody. And this is why I explained to that realtor yesterday from what the seller owes on his house because he just bought it compared to what it would sell for today he's going to have to write a check for probably $15,000 if it sells at the top of the range, which we all know it won't. If it sells for anything less than that, that could be a twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 check. I know the seller does not have it. And this is not, this is literally his only choice he has. So how do you find these people? All right. How do you find these people? Because I will tell you, you will waste your time talking with a lot of folks who really have no interest in selling your home. If you could find these people, guys, these people need help. These people are in a real situation. Now, if I have a kick-ass exit strategy for properties like lease purchases and Airbnbs and all the other cool stuff, so I know once I do the lock up these properties, I know what I can do with it, right? I can make these deals happen. If I didn't have these exit strategies, I could think all these deals would be great, but I wouldn't know what to do with it when I got it. Think of that little baby cub when they hunt for the first time. They might find like a prey, but then they just fumble with it and the thing gets away. They don't know what to do with it once they got their hands on it. That's the extra strategy. That's why it comes in well. So when you make these deals, I'm going to tell you right where to find them. I'm going to tell you what the avatar of the person looks like as somebody who bought a house in less than five years ago, who their loan to value is really high. So I don't know if I've shared it with you guys or not, but I've shared it with my own team. I know this for sure and my students, but the lists that I look for are the opposite of everybody else. Everybody else looks for these big equity lists. I'm the opposite, guys. I look for the no equity. I look for 90% or higher loan to value. Somebody who just bought a house, vacant house, bought it less than five years ago, high loan to value, out-of-state owner. One of my favorite lists to pull. You're going to find some motivated people there. If you have PropStream, anybody? If you've got PropStream, you can load it right in your filters, hit your county, go to your filters, Individual owned, single family homes. I put the loan to value at 90% or higher, or even at 85% or higher. Out of state owners that are vacant homes, right? Not even vacant. I don't care if it's vacant or not. Out of state owners. That's the key, guys. In every single county, you should find a ton of those. And if you do, I just call them. I don't want to do a mailer. You could do a mailer, but I got to print it. I got to write it. I got to pay for that. I got to get a stamp. 
I just go to truepeoplesearch.com and I have, I do skip tracing right through PropStream. But honestly, I've found that True People Search, which is a free website, is almost more accurate. And all I do is I put in the name and the zip code of their new address or the new area they live in. In PropStream, it shows like being mailed to this address. This is the new out-of-state address. It's right there. So I put in that name, that out-of-state address on truepeoplesearch.com. It usually gives you the phone numbers. And I'll tell you what, it's on there. This is pretty accurate. You'd be surprised. So guys, you don't even need to spend money on that. Just get a prop stream, pull that list, call these people. I was in the neighborhood. I'm looking for another house there. I was wondering if you consider selling. Oh, oh, you live out of state? Oh, you want to sell because you just bought it and now you got relocated for your, oh, okay. And then you get into the conversation, right? And then the one thing, guys, I will say if they just bought this house in a handful of years, it's probably a decent house in a decent neighborhood. Well, at least a, a nicer house. So, hey, guys, if I'm going to stretch and pay top market for your house, the way I usually do that is with seller financing. Because if I pay cash, it's because I get a big discount. Chances are they're going to owe too much where that's not going to work. So just give you a little bit of things to look for. Um, do you give realtors any money as a finder's fee since they can't list it now? Avery, that's a good question. If it's a property that they're bringing to me, an off-market property, and they're in a, they found a seller in a situation... I always like to grease the wheel, right? You, you pay them a little something, I'm sure they're going to keep bringing you more. I promise you that. If people feel like, you know, they've, they feel slighted or they brought you this deal and you're bragging on your social media, how you just made a million dollars on this deal. Cause it really, and then you didn't, that really is watching you on social media. Like that mother effort didn't pay me a dime. I'd be a little upset too. Right? So I always like to take care of people because if you take care of people, they'll generally take care of you. So on those deals, if a realtor reaches out to me and they say, hey, Avery, hey, Joe, hey, anybody, I got a situation that I think might be something that would work for you, and I make that deal happen, I pay anybody who brings me a deal. I pay my acquisitionists who bring me a deal because that's what their job is. But if any one of you ever bring me a deal, I'll pay you too. I'll pay a wholesaler. I'll pay a realtor. I'll pay a referral to friends and family. So... I guess that hope, hopefully that answers your question. Do I pay a 6% commission? Nope, because it doesn't work for them. 6% commission, if all that worked, you should list it on the market, which this is the reason why they're getting me involved because it doesn't work for them. So part of the reason why it has to work for me, I have to keep my cost of entry as low as possible, especially if I'm already overpaying for the property. I hope the realtor understands that, right? I have to keep my cost of entry as low as possible because I'm way overpaying for this property more than anybody else will. So if it's a $200,000 home, a 6% commission that they're going to probably split with another agent and then split with their brokerage, they're usually keeping like that one and a half percent. So on a $200,000 sale, they're only keeping about one and a half percent of that guys. So what's that, you know, three grand they're going to get. So if I pay them a thousand, $2,000, do you think they're going to be happy? Probably. Do you think I'll get more of those leads and deals? Probably. All right. So grateful over greedy. I guess my best advice to uh, one of the legends in real estate always taught me is, um, you know, take care of people and they'll take care of you. Cool. That's all I got. I went, I went a little over. I got uh, a seller blowing me up saying, hey, just don't want to miss your call. I love that. Where's my contract? Write up my deal. Come by my house. Anybody want to deal in Niagara Falls? Got one coming down today. Love it. Um, 
So I'm going to get with Ryan so we could buy his house and get that sucker under contract. I'll let Elizabeth know to uh, send that over to him. And life is great, guys. So I hope you're all having an amazing Tuesday. Thank you so much. I know we went a little over today, but you know I hope we can bring a lot of value and education to you guys, teach you all the stuff that we're doing currently. I will say the next two weeks, I'm going to put this on pause, unfortunately, but for fortunate for us, next week we are flying out. I don't know if any of you know Tiffany High. She is an amazing real estate investor, her and her husband, Josh. They are two legendary real estate investors. She's all over Instagram and him too, and Facebook. They do a great business. They do a lot of deals. I mean, these two are really awesome. Tiffany High, Josh High. We are flying out to their offices next week. So Tuesday, I'm going to be in Columbus, Ohio. And then we get back into Florida on Wednesday. And then Sunday, sorry, Monday, the family mastermind, which is a new mastermind that we just signed up for. And they are starting a four-day event in Tampa, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, where tons, there's going to be like a few hundred investors in this room from Ron the Grand to Steve Trang to Brent Daniels. I think Jamil Pace Morby might be there. I'm not 100% sure. My wife said she saw the names. I didn't see their smiling faces on the on the thing, but it is going to be really, really cool. So that Tuesday, we won't be there, but I will promise you guys the Tuesday after that, when we get back, I'm going to have so much amazing stuff to share with you because everything I've learned from Tiffany and Josh at their in-house event and everything we're going to learn at this uh, family mastermind event, I'm going to share it with you guys. So when we have the next Tuesday, Abby, let's make that link now. We'll kind of be like the two-week off recap of what I learned at the two different mastermind groups. And I want to kind of share that with you guys. Any great takeaways that we get from these things, I'd love to share. So um, I think that's going to be a great thing. So you won't see me for two weeks. I may try to get one of my team members to come in here, but they're going to be with me on the thing too. So I don't know how well it's going to work. So I think we'll just postpone it for two weeks because I'm bringing a lot of people with us um, to these events and I'm super excited. So um, thank you, Bo. Thank you for everybody, Cindy, all of you guys uh, for coming. I really do appreciate it. Um, would love to chat sometime about buying sub two lease own from Mike Scarpa. Bo, Mike is one of my students. He is amazing. I'd love to chat if you have any questions. The dude does great deals to the point where not only is he a student, but he actually works for on our team too. And he's a friend and he's going to be in Columbus with us too, because he's coming out there. Um, so yeah, if you've got questions, I'd love to chat about it. We'll be actually together for the uh, next week. Um, how do I get more data regarding mastermind group events? Um, so I guess it depends on what you're looking for, for masterminds. I liked, if you look at, um, Matt Andrews, if you look him up on Facebook, Matt Andrews is, uh, he runs, it's called family mastermind. The one thing I was really impressed by Matt, like a lot of these guys and girls who, you know, run these events, you've got 200 of some of the biggest real estate investors around the country with all of their crazy lives and schedules and all the things he's that awesome that he gets them to come to Florida twice a year, 200 different investors. It's like wrangling cats, guys. And if somehow he does it, the guy's amazing. Once you talk to him, yeah, if you're in Clearwater, it's right in Tampa. Um, send me a DM. I guess send you the link for it um, on either Facebook and Instagram. But if you just look up Matt Andrews on Facebook, he has a ton of the stuff posted and it's a uh, pretty big event. And they also do a weekly Zoom as well included with the mastermind, but they'd meet in Florida and Tampa twice a year. They're doing it right now. Then they do it in March too. It's happening 
the this month it's the last week of september which is going to be the 26th 27th 28th and 29th of september is they're going to be having that here in tampa so if you are here uh all of these amazing real estate investors are going to be here and i'm not going to lie guys i'm going to be fangirling like crazy just going nuts because i've been following a lot of these people for so long and you're going to get to go meet them in person and you know have dinner with them i am like giddy um i was the same way when i met joe montana <laughs> not gonna lie but so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that too so uh we will reconvene october 4th will be the next one october 4th i'm gonna be coming with so much great stuff guys please if you have some time uh check it out and if not i'll record it and i'll make sure we share it in youtube and all the other good stuff but that's gonna be a great one because i know there's gonna be a lot of great stuff dropped and uh, a lot of great things i'm gonna be able to share with you guys too so i'm lo really looking forward to it so in the meantime um check out matt andrews on facebook i'm going to tell you how amazing abby is see abby abby raise your hand real quick so everybody can see you if you didn't see you so they have a guest speaker coming to this one guys and the guest speaker they're bringing in this year's hulk hogan so i'm showing abby like and some of you might not know who that is but he's a big old wwf wrestler wwe whatever and i don't follow that stuff anymore but i used to as a little kid but abby's like who's the guy in the yellow and I'm like, who are you talking about? She's like, that guy, he's in every, I'm like, Abby, that's Hulk Hogan. You don't know who that is? And she was like, no. I was like, well, last year they had vanilla ice there. Do you know who that is? And he's not a dessert. And she's like, no, I don't. I'm like, ice, ice baby. She's like, I do remember hearing that song. I'm like, you are completely awesome. <laughs> so this year they have Hulk Hogan as a guest speaker. So it's pretty cool. The guy in yellow. I can't wait to meet him and tell him about that too because he's going to be there um okay cool um can you please send me the link for the mastermind I would like to attend yeah um Elena, can you just send me a link or a message on facebook or instagram and i'll send that right over to you and uh if you want to attend it's it's going to be pretty awesome so and uh until then guys i'll see you in uh two weeks thanks for coming out today thanks abby thanks everybody for being here we'll see you then i'm gonna stop my recording <laughs>